Welcome to Dragon Time. Woo! Yes! Woohoo! Yeah! Yeah! Very excited for this special episode of Dragon Talk, the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I'm Greg Tito, and that's Shelly Mazanoble. Hello! Making things happen on the Dungeons and Dragons side. We have a very, very exciting guest to talk with us. We have Jeremy Latcham, the producer with a capital P of Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> Honor Among Thieves. That is going to be out very widely in theaters this week. This weekend. This weekend, you'll be able like to some, watch the it. next day. Yeah, many people have seen it already with some with some pre screenings and some events uh, around the world. And it is the rare thing, Shelley, yes. where it seems like universally yeah. people really love this movie, including they the two of do. us, and including like D and D fans, and including people who've never played D and D. It's loved. I guess that's what you meant by universal. Universal, mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Although it's paramount. Not universal. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I love that it is like such a hard thing to pull off to create a, a any piece of media, but especially a movie where you're getting people in theaters to yes. sit down and watch, you know, a two-hour movie and to have pretty much every person be like, yep, no, I get it. That's yep. oh, uh, that's funny. Oh, ha, ha. This is making me cry. Like it hits on all the notes. It really does. And I am, even though we have seen it, I am going again. Yeah. Um, what what will be this weekend and probably more than once because I can only fit so many kids in the car and Quinn's like well I got to take this person and this person and this person like they can go on their like Get they don't the need car. they don't need me to take them but we are taking three of his friends to go see it two of which are in the D&D club one that was waitlisted um Aww. but they're so they're the kids are very excited about it and Quinn's just like so we're gonna see it early right He's just, he just wants some like exclusivity thing. He but. wants to be a part of it. As do yeah. we, which was so exciting that we got to talk uh, to Jeremy Latcham uh, and hear about uh, the influence that he had on making this movie as the producer, as, you know, working with everyone. It, it, it seems like um, his history in making movies uh, with the Marvel Studios really came to bear here. And so you hear all about it in our interview, uh, which is coming up soon. But I want to hear about your D&D club because it's ending <laughs> soon, right? Well, it, it, yes, by the time you hear this, it has ended. Um, very sadly, we wanted to just keep it going, but one of the dungeon masters, <clears throat> Bart, couldn't <laughs> do it. Like, he just wasn't able to. Um, mm-hmm. With his new role, he wasn't able to swing the, the club. So uh, it was very sad for everyone. And it's, like, really emotional for me. Like, what is my problem? But I just am going to miss seeing these kids every Friday. But... What have you got Did planned want, for the uh, for the? Wanted for the to ending give them there. like a really proper send off. As you know, we're running Dragons of Stormwreck Isle, but the the session right before the last one, Bart and I, like literally on the way to the school, where we called an audible and we were like, we feel like we need to give them like a true D and D experience here. Let's just throw away everything that's planned and let's make them fight a beholder. Ooh. So we know a beholder would actually kill them, but. I mean, obviously, we would modify it as needed. So because even though we're running totally the same adventure, we have gone in very different paths, which is to be expected. So we each dropped a beholder into our games at that last session. And we had the mini and everything. And the kids were just like, I mean, I held up the monster manual. I'm like, it's, or was it the player's handbook? Like, it's this guy. And they were like, 
cool. He doesn't look so bad. Oh, I want one of his eyes. I'm like, oh, oh mm-hmm. are they not going to fight him? Are they going to try? summer child. <laughs> yes. So they um, our, our session ended with that them about to fight. And then today they're going to fight. And uh, a very special guest will show up to help them because they're going to need a lot of help. And we're just going to modify the heck out of it. But for about 45 minutes, we'll play. Hopefully they this fight concludes. It's a very satisfying way to end. And then we're going to have a party. And nice. we're bringing lots of snacks and cupcakes. And um, here's what I have planned. Because, okay. you know, I am so freaking extra when it comes to this stuff. I can't control myself. But I, of course, have a bunch of swag to give them. Nice. And really, it's only because they're the OGs of the D&D club. There was never a club before them. There will be again, because I'm coming back in the fall, but those kids aren't going to get treated like this. Let's just say that right now. The OGs are getting it. So they're getting like baseball caps. They're getting dice. They're getting pencils. They're getting um, a copy of the starter set that was part of their their and their registration fee, um, tons of tons of stuff in like these giant swag bags. But I'm also um, wrote all of them like a special accolade, so that we're essentially like welcoming them, welcoming them back to the Young Heroes Institute. That's the school that they decided they went to. They are after, like they have gone to Stormrock Isle. They have succeeded in their mission, and this is essentially them returning. So we're gonna have like a ceremony for them, where like we will call them up. We will read them their accolade. I printed out these certificates. Of- <laughs> <laughs> so they're actually, they will be handed their certificate. They will be handed their cool baseball cap, which is best like them being knighted on their little heads. Yeah. And they'll be handed their swag bag and they will then go off and hopefully have amazing adventures all on their own. But at least three of them have said that they want to be a dungeon master, which is great. There you go. I do it. feel like I feel like some of them were like, if she can do it, anyone can do it. And that's <laughs> that's great. I, I want that. Those of you listening at home are also thinking the exact same thing. I am telling you, I cannot. It was so rewarding to do this. It was just like it was a lot of work because I overwork everything, obviously. But um it was so rewarding, like just being there and seeing them figure out this game and the creative things that they came up with and just the fact that like they like D&D like they all had a positive experience they all would have come back if we kept the session if we set if we kept it going and hopefully would have been able to welcome even more kids but just you know 11 kids six of them girls five of them boys all just every Friday afternoon without fail unless they were very, very ill, which thankfully they stayed home on those days. But for the most part, they kept it going. They, they kept it going. And they were, their parents said, we are very sad to miss, you know, because so-and-so is sick or something. But right, right. they they didn't care about missing anything else. They cared about the D&D club. And it was well, <laughs> so Good special. job, Shelly. You deserve the accolades as well. So uh, well done, you know, because I know it's not easy. Right? You were, at the beginning of our podcast journey, you were like, nope, never going to do it. Oh, for I, kids, I, nope, not going to do it. I don't and know who I am now. You have changed. You have grown and 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 blossomed uh, as a dungeon master, which is so cool. Yeah, and I think the most important part is like I know I I made mistakes, and I know like there are yeah. areas of improvement, and they didn't break me. It no. was just like, oh, I get it. I'll right. work on that next time. They went I, left. They went and I left. Was, and, and you know what okay. happened? 
I also went left. I went left with them. In fact, I encouraged. I was happy to not know what direction they were going to go. Love it. Love it. it. Well, that's exciting. Thank you. Um, and for those of you who have been listening to this entire journey, we love you. We thank you. It's, it's amazing that uh, Shelly has come this far as a dungeon master. And, and they, I can't wait to yes. hear more about what you're like, oh, this is just old hat. This is just what I do all the time now. Because no. um, that's going to happen. I don't know but it's going to be great. There. I mean, it's going to be rewarding and fulfilling each time. But you Great know, old hat. A great old hat. Wonderful old hat that you just love. Yeah. Um, if you have not listened to everything uh, going on with this journey of Shelly, please... Listen to our backlog. There's a lot of Dragon oh. Talk uh, over the last seven years. You'll see that entire journey. We've talked to tons of people from the D&D community, from the entertainment community in Hollywood, like we are talking to Jeremy Latcham today, uh, and people who have made amazing things in Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, so uh, subscribe to Dragon Talk. Like and, and give a review uh, if you can to s- spread the word as much as possible. We think there's going to be a lot of people who are excited about Dungeons & Dragons now that the Honor Among Thieves movie is going to be out there as we talked about in this interview. So let's do it. Let's talk to Jeremy. <laughs> Let's welcome Jeremy Latcham to Dragon Talk. Yes. yes. What's up, Dragon Talk? Yes. So excited for you to be here. You are a producer for the D and D Honor Among Thieves movie. I would I, executive Yay. producer, even, right? Not just producer, executive producer. I in in the world of film credits, I am the PGA producer, capital P. Like, if this movie were to win Best Picture, let's just assume for a second the when? movie wins Best Picture. When? When? I am the producer that gets the Oscar. So <gasps> so I'm That's the creative amazing. producer that, like, brings it together and does the thing with the stuff and the things. So, so. it is, uh, yeah, in TV, that's executive producer, right? Like, executive produced by Dick Wolf. Like, in, in the world of features, that's the uh, the PGA, you know, P producer guy. So I'm, like, the producer of the movie, yeah. So I, I've been three years of diving in and and really diving into the world and and trying to bring this thing together. It's been a journey and a half of super fun. And I'm so excited about it. In you any ways, that's like the dungeon master. I was just going to say, yeah. you're the dungeon Bringing master. Bringing everybody to the table, getting their input, With making schedule, sure you're listening like to, to everyone. Having schedules. Oh, like, boy. Ugh. Yeah, no, everyone's got a commitment on Saturday that we weren't expecting, you know? Like, yeah. uh, like no one's going to be here this week. So, yeah, no, that's, a, that's certainly a lot of it is like just managing the overall like the rust of the of the production and like a lot of that's like working you know i work really really closely with john and jonathan the directors and you know we worked together on spider-man homecoming which they had written i had hired them when i was when i was a producer at marvel on that film Uh, i hired them to write spider-man homecoming and so we'd known each other for a long time and and like our that, that that the three of us were like the the you know the core the creative core of kind of helping to bring this together obviously with the help of you know, Wizards and the help of E1 and Paramount and everything. But when it came down to it, we were the ones at three in the morning in Belfast in the rain, like <laughs> doing it. So that's how that's how I know what my job is. Is like at three in the morning when it's raining, I'll I'll be the one that's there to make sure it's all, all happening. Right. It's not um, all glamorous. Really fun. No, it's none of it's glamorous. That's the beauty <laughs> of it. <laughs> um, well, I just it's it's very exciting to get to talk to somebody who was so instrumental in making this movie happen to tell you I love this movie. I love awesome. it so much. We were lucky enough to get a chance to see it. I actually sat next to Greg and I know several <laughs> times I like smacked him on the arm like, oh my God, isn't that amazing? They got it, it was right. it was they got it right. That's what we like, yeah. It was so right. And I think one of the the greatest parts for me about it was 
Like I watched the whole thing with a smile, but there were a couple of parts that actually did get make me cry. Uh, and one Good. of them, not even because of sadness, it was because of cuteness that I okay. actually, and I, I'm not going to spoil it for people, but that's the one like I know I grabbed Greg and I was like, oh, did you see that? It was so cute. Awesome. Um, we played Tabaxi awesome. uh, in, in a thing, so maybe that's a hint of what was. we're talking about. Uh, yeah, I I would love to talk about the Tabaxi in this movie. Yeah, that no, look, I'm so happy. The thing that you just said there, uh, and Greg just kind of said it under his breath, but it was the thing that gives me the most relief. He goes, yeah, they got, got it right. They got it and right. And that is, that is the job when you come to something that is this culturally significant as D&D, which... You know, I think it's a it's a funny world we live in with high culture and like what is high culture and low culture and popular culture and all the ways that people define things. Right. But to me, like this is like this is like pop culture extraordinaire. This is like the thing that's been a stalwart in American pop culture for 50 years. And it's like a big responsibility. You don't want to mess it up. <laughs> and so, you know, you really take that seriously. And uh, yeah. uh, just hearing you say like you two who live in this world who make a D&D podcast because you love D&D this much to hear you mutter under your breath right right the they yeah. in that is is you and the directors and the writers like that's the, the you team. are the person who and got it cast. right we didn't know who you were uh back then but now we're like oh it's so great to put a face to a name so so yeah so we what was to the, tell you what what were the conversations around the genesis of this movie? That's really interesting to me because I really, as you said, it's not easy to get something that people are so familiar with in, in a different medium and translate it to this. So yeah. what, what were some of those discussions like? Well, I mean, look, I so I came on the movie when there was a draft by John and Jonathan that existed. And so I had been I had been at Marvel for 14 years making superhero movies like Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy and Spider-Man. Good Homecoming job on those two. Iron Man oh, one and two. Oh, those are also all the really good, good ones. <laughs> well, that's what I like to think, Shelley. I feel very lucky that I feel like I got to make, I mean, not that I love my friends at Marvel. None of them are bad. They're all amazing. I feel like I got to make the really amazing ones. Um, mm -hmm. The ones I've, I'm so proud of each of them. And uh, uh, so I'd been over there and I left and went on to my own. And I was like, look, I didn't grow up natively as a Marvel reader. I didn't grow up as a Marvel comic kid. Like I had a very odd upbringing in South America on oil rigs. It's like odd, odd That's origin of my life. Yeah. And so I kind of missed pop culture. Like I, I only consumed it when I was home in the summers. And then I was like in Venezuela and Colombia during the school year. And, you know, there's not a lot of American pop culture down there, especially in the nineties when like stuff didn't travel. We didn't have the internet. And mm -hmm. so I, uh, I, I had grown up at Marvel in my career and I was like, look, I didn't come to Hollywood just to make Marvel movies. I don't even like particularly know that much about Marvel comics, despite the fact that I've made all these movies and had to learn a lot. Uh, I came here to make all kinds of films. And uh, the guys called me and they were like, listen, we we have an opportunity potentially to make a D&D &D movie. What do you think? We think there's something there in this world, but we would love your like your expertise and like bringing these things to life because we know you know how to like get inside fandom and like figure out what makes a thing tick and like what the heart of it is and also understand movie going and what the heart of that is and how to like blend those two things together is like a really unique skill that I think I've you know been lucky enough to cultivate over over my time in Hollywood and I and I look I love the guys like I love John and Jonathan they had written Spider-Man Homecoming and it was like I think the definitive version of Peter Parker like I think mm. they finally got 
we finally got Peter Parker right. Like I not that not that Toby's <laughs> Peter Parker's amazing. Andrews is amazing in its own way, but I feel like we made in the, the title Peter Parker that I like. Mm-hmm. You know, the title for sure. It's amazing <laughs> in the name. No, but I feel like we made the version of Peter Parker that I that like me as a kid who grew up watching John Hughes movies loves. Mm. Like I was like, we captured the Hughes thing. Oh, interesting. Comedy. And that was the only that was the only goal. It was like, let's make a John Hughes peter parker movie you know let's like let's uh, imagine that john hughes was still alive today and ferris bueller could be in a peter parker film what would that feel like and the guys just nailed it and i was like so i had a great amount of like trust and love for them as writers and they called me and they were like listen we want you to read this thing and i i read a, a very very early draft of it and i was like oh man there's a there's a movie here and uh, i know nothing about the world of D. i am gonna have to take home 500 pages of books again like i did the first time i saw an iron man one like i on iron man one i took 500 comic books home the first weekend that i was working on the film and uh, i just read comic books all weekend and so in a very similar fashion although in a much more condensed timeline i just started buying books on amazon and shipping them to my house and just like flipping through them with highlighters and little sticky pads and and trying to understand this vast crazy world that you all inhabit and it is a truly wondrous place and i've enjoyed getting to dive into it and try to figure it out. And I've had really great guides, which has been excellent. You know, uh, Nathan Stewart and Jeremy Jarvis and and their teams at Wizards have been like just real amazing collaborators and resources and partners. And we worked really hard like to make every detail feel right. Yeah. And uh, it's been really, it's been really cool. And there's a key difference in adapting this from that that has been really fun to like kind of play with, which is like in Marvel, like you're stuck with whatever the story is. And so then all of a sudden we're like, all right, well, why does Tony Stark have a secretary who's named Pepper Potts and she just has red hair and carries around a memo making a book (laughs) or whatever and like hands him stuff and and like she doesn't really have any agency. And now we have to figure out how to adapt that for today because that was written in the 60s. And here it's totally different. Like it's not about man, you got to get this exact character that was in so-and-so's campaign at home, right? Like, no, it's like, you got to get the world right. You got to get the, the the factions and like the locations and the creatures and the, and the dragons and the, all the details. Like it's the world that you guys live in that we have to get right. And it's the spirit. And I think that's really where we spent our time was like trying to figure out how to adapt the spirit of what happens around a table onto the screen. And that's I, really where the, the, the effort was. Yes. And it paid off because that's the part that really resonated with me is because like so much of this game does take place, you know, insular at your table and your experiences or theater of the mind. But Mm -hmm. what I loved about it is that it really felt like the cast was having fun from number one. Like I could just, it, I felt that, but it also really felt like that's, I can see my adventuring party in this. Like that, we do that. And it, mm-hmm. when you mentioned John Hughes movies, it I I don't know if intentional or not, but like the breakfast, like a D and D party is essentially like the Breakfast <laughs> it's Club. Not, like it's, it's not just dissimilar. it's archetypes yeah. of different types of people that come together to you know form an adventuring party and accomplish a common goal. And that I think when you I heard you say that like that because I love John Hughes movies too, love. and I think I am feeling some of that that essence from coming from this cast and, and this story. I think that there's a commonality that ties everything good together. And to me, it is like this, this like yearning for family. 
and like this yeah. yearning for togetherness and this yearning for understanding and like acceptance and like and friendship. And I think that's why we go to the movies, like on a fundamental level. I think that's why, like, why would we go with 600 strangers in a dark room and all <laughs> laugh at something together, except if it wasn't to feel this like primal thing of like, we all are laughing at the same thing and we're understanding we have commonalities. We're yep. all crying at the same thing. We're understanding that that's a commonality between us. And it like brings us together as like a society, like a fabric, you know, that like kind of weaves together and I think that like a game is not dissimilar. Like you all come together and you like form this family around a table and you learn to trust each other and love each other and care about each other and like go on this adventure with each other. And look, I think that's what like that's what the Breakfast Club is. That's what Guardians of the Galaxy is. That's what yeah. the Avengers are, despite the fact that they all have these massive outsized powers. Like we're all looking for that same thing. And I think that's what drives cinema. I mean, like in the in the most Vin Diesel way that I can imagine, like it's all about family. Like it, like it really <laughs> is like what brings us together. And I so like for me, I think there's like one of the things that I'm always trying to figure out as a producer as we like go into this stuff is like how do we tap that commonality that binds us, which is like we're all here for the same thing. Like the themes are really simple. Like we all want to vanquish evil and be together and find connection. And like, that's what it's about. Like, that's what the game is. That's, totally. that's been the best revelation for me because like I grew up in the eighties and I, between South America and then Oklahoma, like those are the places that I lived and I was in the eighties, like in Oklahoma. And like, the only thing I knew about D and D was like, they came to our church on a Saturday afternoon and they like had a day where they were like, Ozzy Osbourne eats the head off a bat. He's bad. <laughs> and like Slayer's oh. not good either. And like, that was like, and I was like, okay. And I never thought about D and D again after that. That like happened like Saturday at two o'clock when I was six. And like, uh, and like, there we go. That's what I understand about D and D. It was like for the youth group, for the teenagers, and somehow they let me come, and I was terrified. And I was like, never. Ah. So glad and we got past up. that, right? Do you think, man? Uh, there's no, there's nobody protesting right now, which is, which is always good. Well, because you grow up and you realize, like, this is a game where like kids like go into their imagination and like become the best version of themselves. Yeah, and they like yeah. gain confidence and love and and care about each other and like develop these like leadership skills and interpersonal building skills and. All this stuff, and they're like, but that's not what they told me it was. Right. So, well, I, have, I never I thought theories, about it again after that. I have theories as to why church leaders don't want that. Uh, that's outside <laughs> the church. Uh, well, we'll get into that later. Uh, but I think what's really exciting about uh, this film is that not only do you capture all that found family, and that's where the, the kind of tears part that Shelley uh, was referencing, I definitely uh, uh, felt the emotions of that. But then there also was these just non sequitur, you know, uh, ribs against each other's characters, right? Like <laughs> that to me, thing, right? yeah. that feels so much more like like the kind of person I am at a D and D table, just making everybody laugh. And well, that's you didn't how shy you make away the from friends that at all. because you like poke each other. Like, I mean, they have a saying here in the UK where we we shot the movie in Northern Ireland, and so like I feel like I picked up all these like UK sayings, but they're always talking about taking the piss. Like, mm. oh, yeah. he's going to take the piss, you know? And like, uh, like it's like, yeah, that's the fun is like the ribbing and the needling of each other. And I think that's what John and Jonathan have done a great job with the screenplay because it just captures like friends, like poking at each other. And like when, when Edgen's like, um, uh, except talking, you're not very good at talking. <laughs> it's just like freaking classic because we've all known that guy. Yeah. You're like, listen, I really like Joe, but like, mm. I just don't like talking to him. <laughs> I, I want him to do all the stuff that Joe does. I love Joe. Don't let Joe talk. You know, yeah. it's like, we all know that guy. It's, I don't know. I think they really, you're right. Like, that's like the fun of it. Right. It's like to give each other hell is, is great. Yep. Yeah. So with the directors and the screenplay like kind of coming to you, what and I'm curious of this uh, about all movies, but specifically about this one. Like, what was your 
input? Like, what were the type of things that you as producer were like, mm, I need to, let's shift this. Is it, is it pre, is it during shooting? Is it post it's that the you mostly time. have influence? It's the, it's the whole time. I mean, like we, luckily, like the guys trusted me and we knew each other and they have incredible taste and incredible story sense. And so we all just started like poking at the script and like trying to figure out where the, where the soft spots were. And then because film's a visual medium, you know, and like, I think a lot of people forget about this in Hollywood development. Like people just work Mm -hmm. on the screenplay forever. Like the first thing I did was like, let's bring on great storyboard artists and great concept artists and like really start bringing the world to life so that people know what the hell we're talking about. Because it's like, I think it's really easy for people to, uh, to look at the, at the screenplay and be like, I don't get it. You know, there's a lot of words in there, a lot of proper nouns in that script <laughs> that, that like kind of scare people off, you know, like <laughs> yeah. Aarakocra, <laughs> what the heck is that? Like, why is this bitch funny? I'm like, it's funny because he's a bird. Right. It, it, that, that's why it's funny because he's a bird. <laughs> like it, when you understand he's a bird, it's a lot funnier, you know, and like, but so, so like immediately we just started kind of bringing the sequences to life. And, uh, and, you know, it's a lot of sales, you know, you're doing a lot of selling because mm. the studio is giving you money to write a screenplay and to start developing it. But nobody really, really wants to commit to like saying we're going to do it, you know, and that's the hard part is they're like, we want you to do it. And you're like, all right, we're just gonna need a lot of money. And they're like, well, we don't know if we want you to do it. We're gonna like want to think <laughs> about wanting you to do it. Mm-hmm. And so we immediately started like putting time and effort. And so one of the first things we did, this uh, incredible story about our name, Darren Denlinger, who worked with me at Marvel and uh, the guys just fell in love with. I brought him on and we put together the corpse sequence and uh, we put together this incredible storyboard of the corpse sequence, uh, the speak with dead. And, uh, and we started uh, like bringing that to life. We hired some voice actors. They came in, they voiced the storyboards. We cut the storyboards into a little bit of animatic, put some spooky music underneath it. And like showed that to people, and all of a sudden people were like, "Oh, we get it! Like we get the movie now. This that's like really funny because like you could feel the tone, even though it's black and white, it's storyboards, it's really rough looking. You start to feel it like seeping through, and uh, I think that was a really helpful early exercise. Like we did that early, early like April of 2020, like right in the heart of the pandemic, oh, wow. all over Zoom. We can't talk to anybody. In fact, the directors and I. Like the first time we got together with with Dennis Stewart, our executive producer, who's like the nuts and bolts guy who makes the whole machine work, we all got together. He's an incredible filmmaker. We all got together and we all had to stand outside in a front yard 25 feet away from each other. Oh. And we're like, hi, John, how are you? Hi, oh Jonathan. And it's like, we're somehow going to get together with 500 people and make a movie, but we can't touch each other, talk to each other. Like, how's that going to work? It was very challenging. But I think the first step, yeah, was like trying to bring it to life in visuals. A, a, an illustrator named Wes Burt came on really early on who uh, you guys probably know from the D&D world. He does a lot of D&D stuff and a lot of Magic the Gathering stuff, I think. And he does oh, a ton cool. of concept art for Marvel. He's an incredible artist. And Wes Burt was nice enough to come on early. Um, I kind of stole him away from Marvel. I called Ryan Minderding, who's the head of visual development at Marvel. I was like, who is not on payroll at the moment? Like, who is not on payroll <laughs> who that can I can I steal? Yeah. Because, you know, I know I needed to steal somebody, um, but I couldn't steal somebody because I get a call from Kevin Feige saying, what are you doing stealing my people? So I had to figure out who they like, who's not on payroll at the moment, like that I can that I could get on my payroll. Very and Wes cool. worked with us for a full year and uh, was incredible. And so, you know, we just started like putting stuff together and like really laying it out. And then you start like building your team and like it all starts becoming slowly more real. And like the board started influencing the script and the script starts influencing the boards. And it all is like this big back and forth of. Of, of art you know it's like yeah. an art back and forth it's weird and uh and then slowly you end up like 
inching towards a movie, you know? So cool. And it's a weird I, process. The the visuals, um, that's another thing that I, I love seeing this world that's in my head come to life. Yeah. Like, and as someone who plays a magic user, seeing the spells being cast was so yeah. cool. Like, that's lightning bowl. Oh, I like, <laughs> would love to like see it like be real. But obviously, like 50 years of history, so much lore. There's so many great uh, like NPC types of characters and spells and worlds and locations. And how do you sift through all of that and decide like these are the things? That we're I, think gonna... the, I think the first thing we asked for was, you know, and, and obviously, like, we have the story that the guys want to tell, and we know the story we want to tell, but we also want to make sure that we're doing it in a way that is authentic. And so we said, what are the what are the 20, 30 most popular, you know, like, creatures that we could encounter in the world? And uh, what would those be? Just so we know. Like, not saying we're going to use all of them. We're not going off a checklist. We're not going to just <laughs> jam stuff in for the sake of jamming stuff in. It's going to be Easter Egg City, and, like, like you're just going to have shadow of this walking by in the background because that stuff's cheesy but we we went through and we kind of went through a list and we were like okay what is interesting visually that we haven't seen and that's unique to D, you know and i think like early on like a displacer beast seemed like a really cool thing that like is yeah. really unique to D. i haven't seen a fantasy creature like that because what i love about D and is that it's so much more playful than other high fantasy settings, you know, like Lord of the Rings and, and and Game of Thrones and stuff. It's so much more fun. It's so much more exciting. But it's also got like stuff that just feels uniquely D&D. And so we're like, how do we avoid the stuff that feels generically fantasy um, that you could see in any fantasy setting? And like, how do we go after the stuff that really feels like D&D and has like really visual powers or really visual presence that we could like, you know, take advantage of on screen and like bring to life in a cool visual way because again it's visual medium and so you know like that was like all right well the displacer beast sounds really cool intellect of hour sounds really cool you know tabaxi seemed like a ridiculous thing to try to bring to life because they're <laughs> so so silly they're like well they're very rare and they're not like hanging around we're like okay but like can we, can we figure that out like is this, and that was always the question was like we'd be like well we want to do this and they'd be like well that doesn't really live here and we're like well like, like yeah. the dragonborn beggar was a big thing, right? Like it was like a dragonborn would not generally be destitute because they're really proud and they're, they're pretty on top of it. But I was like, but is there a world where like a dragonborn could have fallen on bad times? And, <laughs> and of course, yeah. like there is, but you have to really talk it through and be like, yeah, okay, so what do we think? And I'm like, it's not going to be in the movie, but we, but we had a whole conversation about like what would have, and look, the truth was we wanted a gripply. But we didn't have the money to build another to build another creature because we really wanted a, a ripply beggar who just says jankly and like like kind of has like a ribbity sound of jankly because the guys thought jankly was a hilarious word and uh, and we thought it would be we just want to love Zank and he's like look there's a thing in, in, in movies where it's like have you heard the phrase save the cat yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. With that screwdriver phrase yeah. so like we were like listen how do we make Zank the most straightforward hero and have like a little bit of a meta commentary on the and just like well he could save he could save a cat the second you meet him and then you have to like him like right. he's yeah, that's that's how you define in a movie that you like it's somebody the, it's the opposite so, of kicking the dog yeah <laughs> the opposite of kicking the dog but so anyway so we you know we had a lot of conversations about like how do we like bring this stuff to life and like is it what's allowed and where on the map is it? we talked about the map a lot mm -hmm. and we really tried to like make sure that like like you know like 
how many days horseback ride is it from this town to this town? It doesn't make sense. And like at the end of the movie, there's a thing where they're like the game started in six hours. Well, that meant that we had to be six hour horse ride from Neverwinter. And like, what's that look like? Like how far down the map were we? And like, it's nothing that like is in the film specifically, but you feel it. Like, I think you feel like that we didn't like go like, and now magically we're over here. And you're like, what? No, that's not possible, you dummies. Like we tried to like really understand the map. And Ashley Alexander, who works at E1 and is a huge nerd, um, was like our conduit to all things D&D. Like if she... If she didn't have an answer readily, which she usually did, uh, and uh, and she didn't think it would be, you know, sometimes it would be like, well, listen, Nathan and Jeremy are going to want to have a say on this. But oftentimes, Ashley would be like, oh, well, no, no, guys. The, the, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> great. Okay, cool. Okay. All right, great. She was, the, uh, she was the mapper. She was the person who had the map in front of you. She and had the map. She had, she had access to everything. And, you know, there was like, look, like a lot of conversations about, for instance, like why is Simon using Speak With Dead? He is not a cleric it's a cleric spell so we had this whole backstory that he had he had like interned for a cleric at some point or i guess apprentice is the right word <laughs> an apprentice for a cleric at some point and so everything has an answer like people might not like it but it has an answer like it was i, I don't think there's anything that we didn't like try to make sure we had an answer for in terms of like bringing the lore to life you know and that all makes sense and i like what you said earlier about like you got this list of of monsters and concepts and you didn't treat it like you were just checking the box because i think there's yeah. a world where this movie could really feel like that yeah where right. it was just like oh okay here's this way but it, it in in aggregate it for some reason it all feels natural and the way the plot of this story would go and oh there just happens to be a dragonborn there and there just happens to be a displacer beast and a gelatinous cube and 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 the dragon that you have is a uniquely D and D dragon because it's a chonky boy. Uh, oh, you're the uh, big baby. He's, right? a, he's a big old boy. Yeah, <laughs> in, the, in the lore, Thimbershot is a glutton. So it's like it's like, well, you guys made him a glutton. What's that look like on film? And they, at, at first, everyone was like, guys, this is absurd. This is absurdly, it's absurdly huge. And we were like, yeah, it's going to be really funny. And there was a lot of trepidation about it, which was kind of funny to me because I think that fans seem to have really embraced the chunkiness of him oh, and like yes. like the chunky dragon but i'll tell you what man like everybody at everywhere at both studios at wizard at hasbro everyone was like are we really making the main dragon of this movie hilariously large is that the plan and we're like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i think people will like it i think people are really gonna like it and uh, the only joke that we lost in the film that i'm bummed about <laughs> and uh, I, 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 is there was a joke, I, I don't think it's giving away too much, but there was a joke in the film. You guys, you know, everyone listening knows there's a chunky dragon in the movie. Um, but there was uh, there was a joke where Edgin said, he looks like a chicken. And you have this wide shot of this guy with his little <laughs> wings trying to like fly up there. He's like, ah! And then and then as the thing is like, you know, eating him, Edgar goes, he's not like a chicken. And, he's like falling towards him. and, and it was like. It, it ultimately got axed because everyone was like, you're taking all the stakes out of the movie. And mm. I was like, well, oh. maybe. But like, we're also having a really good time. And like, I think we're okay letting these guys be themselves in the midst of action, you know? Like, they don't have to make the stakes so dire all the time. Well, right. Like, we I mean, can I, have fun, you yes. know? I think that's, that is what D&D games are on the table you know, there are, it, it's it's a balancing act. It's a dungeon master. Yeah. You kind of have to be like, all right, there's certainly times for levity and making each other laugh and, and, and you know, doing meta jokes, you know, amongst the friends that they'll only make sense with 
the knowledge of what's in the game and what's out of the game. Like that is a part of it. And it's not, you know, you have to translate that onto the screen in some ways. And that's how you do it is by having those type of jokes that are jokes for the audience, not necessarily for the people, the yeah. other characters. Yeah. And yeah. like, I, you look, I think, I think the thing that the guys really got right was capturing the spirit of like things just going to hell. Yeah. Like yeah. when you roll, when you roll a zero, yes. whatever, and it's like you roll a one and it's like, Oh, well, that plan's dead. And, yep. and we did that a number of times. And I think it's a really fun thing in the film. And I think it also gives the movie a really unique structure because it doesn't feel like you, like my wife, uh, my wife's a novelist and, and she really studies story structure. And she's like, it's the weirdest thing. I'm not sure where the act breaks are in the film because like things just yeah. keep not working out and you can't tell where you're at in the movie because you invested in this arc and it just didn't go anywhere. And uh, it's a big U-turn and it's like, it makes it, I think it makes it fun. It makes it feel unlike the normal three act, you know, Hollywood structure in a lot of ways, because you can't tell where you're at sometimes in the movie. I think that's, I think that's a pretty fun way to kind of go about it. Yeah. You know, and I think that's, um, I think it's uniquely D&D &D because you could be <laughs> invested in this part of the campaign. You're working on it for a really long time. And, uh, and then the, then your crew decides to kill the, the dwarf that was standing at the front of the thing. And now <laughs> all those plans you had as the DM are toast. And yeah. Like, plans well, that fail. Yeah, and as the player and the player yeah. that made the bad decision, that's kind of like, oh, <laughs> yeah. sorry guys, but that's well, all guys, of us. Uh, We've all done that. I, I think guess next weekend we start over. <laughs> yep, sorry. There's always next sorry. week. But yep. what I so I didn't grow up a comic book uh, fan, but my yes. entry into the comic book movies was the Avengers, and yeah. I think for a lot of people, this will be their entry into Dungeons and Dragons. People who never consider themselves to be D&D fans or even fantasy fans will find yep. this movie entertaining. But I'm curious, there's a balance because you definitely put so much in here for the D&D fan to love and appreciate. But how do you how do you take this world and make it not feel alienating to new well, people? Well, on the, first, on the first part about like, I think that there's a thing, oh, this doesn't really connect, but... I think there is a thing where, you know, if you don't know anything about this world, you walk into this film and you just like, you just have a great time and you walk away from it going, oh my God, I had fun. What the heck is this? And I was in, we were in a, a premiere in Paris a couple nights ago. And there was this, uh, there was this girl on the red carpet that was uh, from a, from like an online site and she was doing interviews. And she basically said to me, I think everyone's going to understand me now. And I, I was like, what, what do you mean? That's really special. And she was like, she was like, I, 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 literally we were crying on the red carpet, oh. which is not what you expect when you're doing a red carpet interview. And it's just like for a second, but she was like, no one's ever quite understood what I loved and why I loved it. And I feel like they're going to now. And oh. I feel like as a result, they're going to understand me. And this is like my thing. And I think everyone's finally going to get it. And because the movie's accessible to regular, you know, yeah. non-initiated fans. And I was like, really profoundly touched by the statement. I got all teary-eyed with her because I was like, so you've gone through the world. She's like an Asian girl with purple hair living in Paris. Like, mm. like it's not like, I don't know. Like she's like a, she's a very unique person on the, on that red carpet in Paris. And she's like, you know, people don't know what she's into. Like people don't get it. And she yeah. loves D and D and she's like got purple hair and who knows what character she plays. And it's like her thing. And she was like, now people are going to understand me. And I was like, that's cool. That's cool. That's so I think it's the like ultimate a perfect compliment. on ramp for people that know nothing because, like, you know, we used to joke at Marvel, like, 
I would always say, listen, my Mima and Peepa aren't going to understand this part of the movie. <laughs> and it became like a joke in the editing room. And they still talk about it. Like someone came up to me recently. I left Marvel. And someone, one of the producers that's there now came up to me and she was like, is it your Mima and Peepa that we're always talking about in the editing room? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it is. I can't believe that's still being talked about. My Peepa passed away like five years ago. But I'm glad he's still like Legacy lives on. Right. Mima and Peepa that like we make the movies for. But like the the it, the intention there was always like, listen, my Mima and Peepa in Oklahoma should be able to walk into this movie and have a great time, and they don't need to know about the Avengers and Shield and Nick Fury and what happened in 1973 and all this crap. Like they just need to have a good time, mm. and and like that was really important to me. Was like, listen, anybody can watch this movie, and then they can be curious, and they can go, well, you know what? Maybe I'm gonna pick up some dice and like pick up a couple books and like figure this out. And I think that's like the key is like, how do you make it so that anybody can walk in? But if you know, you get so much more, like you get so much more out of it if you know what's going on. And you also can lean over to your friend who knows what's going on. He can tell you all of it. And then you'll then you'll get that experience, too. You know, but it's it's a really tricky thing. Try to adapt this stuff for, you know, for these movies to be successful. Tens of millions of people have to watch them. And so you're trying to make jokes and things that like are going to translate to that many people. And it's funny because like they'll try to cut a line and I'll be like, guys, no, that's going to be an inside joke between two brothers one day. Like there's a line in the movie where Edgen says, uh, or Zenk says, and if the way becomes too dim, you could hold my hand and I will lead you. And Edgen says, <laughs> I'm not holding his hand. And like to me, that's like, that's going to be a thing. Like where mom's going to be like, you need to do this with your brother. And the younger brother's going to be like, I'm not holding his hand. And like, that's going to be a thing. <laughs> And like, that's why we can't cut it because that's something that those are the kind of inside jokes that come out of watching a movie with a family, you know? And so, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's like the, the, the on-rampiness of it is important because it is a world that I think more people will enjoy and come to and love. And I bet there's a lot of new players. You know, I remember Joss Whedon at one point telling me, like, I have a lot of new fans I didn't know about after Avengers came out because... <laughs> His fandom, had, you know, and he's, he's, he's Josh Whedon. I think, you know, I think everyone knows who he is, but his fandom had always been very specific to like Angel and Buffy like totally. type people. And then he makes Avengers and he was like, oh, I got some bro coming over to me in a Captain America shirt. He's like, what's up, Captain America? And he's like, that's not the normal guy that normally <laughs> says things to me. That's weird. Like, that's outside of my normal fandom. And, it's and like he's not wearing a Buffy like, costume. Exactly. He's not dressed like the dude from, uh, what's it called? Yeah. Uh, uh, from Angel. From Angel or whatever. Yeah. yeah so it's yeah. like, it's different, you know? So I don't know. It's uh, it's a weird thing, like trying to make something for that big of an audience. It's yeah. challenging, but it's really fun. It's well, really I fun. You have a secret sauce in that you can, uh, of course, cast Speak With Dead and ask Mima and Peepa if they would like it or, <laughs> if they like would it or not. If they would understand it. <laughs> Do you, Do you get, get this? Do you make sense? Okay, good. We'll, Does we'll keep he it look in. like a chicken, Mima? Yes. <laughs> I, I'm going to use that as an inside joke now. Whenever we play D and D, it looks like a chicken in your honor. It's not like a chicken. <laughs> it's not like a chicken. <laughs> so great. That chunky dragon's pretty great. Oh, I really do think he's really oh, wonderful. Man. Well, thanks so much, Jeremy, for being uh, uh, so open to talk with us about yes. the making of this movie. Just your passion yeah. and your excitement for it uh, is coming through, and I think people are going to feel that when they when they get into the theaters with those 600 people and, and exactly. have that, that communal thing. And it feels like, I mean, many people, you were talking about before about it being a COVID uh, kind of production. I feel for many people, this is like, a, all right, well, if I'm going to get into the theater, now is going to be the time to get into the theater. Now is the time to get into the theater. I yes. think it's like movies are back 
and it's fun to go. And like you, people are, and look, I'm happy that everything's doing so well this month. I think a lot of people are sitting around going, uh, if this opens too big and that opens too big, I'm like, bring them on. Like, let's yeah. go back and remember what it was like to be together and have fun. And it's so special to see people coming back to the cinema. And I think this is like the movie to go back for because it's just a damn good time. And I'm I'm so proud of it. I hope that people enjoy it. I hope that people find it to be an authentic expression of what they love about D&D. I mean, it was made with tremendous care and love and like a real attention to detail and with real collaboration with great people at Wizards. And uh, I feel so blessed to be in this world and honored to let to be play with it, to play with this world and to be a part of this community. And I, I just, you know, I'm excited, man. And I am glad you guys enjoyed the film and I hope everyone else does too. And, and, you know, maybe we, uh, maybe we get to, you know, you enjoy this film all together. You know? <laughs> It'd be I was going to say, maybe we get to start another was, campaign. Yeah, like Maybe uh, we could do it again. Sometime. Yeah, you, uh, you guys tell us, we certainly didn't plan it that way. I think that's one of the other things I love to say real fast. I know we have to wrap up, but I think there's like a real tendency in Hollywood to be like, we're going to plan 19 movies and 22 web series and, and a metaverse. <laughs> you're going to wear goggles and you're going to have a theme park ride. You're going to buy 70 toys. Yeah. I don't think that's, that's not the way to go about it. And so we really like, there's intentionally no like weird cliffhangers or weird things that are set up and not paid off. Like this is a full experience. This is a campaign. It's a full movie. You ha- you can have a great time. And you don't have to worry that like, you got to start taking notes. Like it's, it's right. okay. Like we're just going to make it one, hopefully, the hope was make one good thing and let's see where we go. Well, that's smart. Um, yep. Yeah. On behalf of, of the D and D fans everywhere. Thank you for giving yeah. us well, our movie. Thank you guys, <laughs> thank you guys very We've much for having We've waited a long time for this. And uh, let me know if, uh, let me know if there are complaints. I need to come back and, and answer any, any questions. <laughs> okay. something up. <laughs> we'll have a Q and a afterwards. Oh, we, you uh, won't, you won't need us to tell you that. <laughs> that's <laughs> true. <laughs> <laughs> so great uh, so love great. it you rolled it you rolled a nat 20 and uh, totally. we're really thank thankful you. so thank you thank, thank you. you guys yeah boom I love movie making and I love that we got to have a little bit of an insight into what it was so like cool. to create this film right yes and then uh, just really <laughs> I don't know what Jeremy's a wonderful human and I just love the the way that he has that superpower to just get at the essence of what something is, but not manage to keep other people out. Like it's, it's for everyone. Like how it's a great skill. And I would like to hone that. But yeah. Right. Let's harvest it and uh, yes. take that essence and put it into each Teach a dungeon class. master's brain. Teach a class. Yeah. It is. Yeah, yeah. It's because it's not a simple skill in movie making for sure. Like we've had a lot of adapted things that didn't, work for various reasons and this one uh does right we've <laughs> there were many D movies attempts at D movies before this and this one uh is a resounding success at least for me and i hope for everybody who can go yep. and watch it this weekend it, Do it was uh yes can't wait to hear what you all think and uh very excited to welcome new people into our adventuring party and if, Shelly, you weren't already running D&D, it would inspire you to do so even more, probably, right? I think it might. And you know yeah. what? I'm probably going to get asked to run some more D&D now it's that true. people are seeing the movie. Yeah, it's it's out there, which is even more exciting. Yeah. Um, so if you want to play D&D, there's a couple of places you can go to. Of course, D&D Beyond is the best place to create your characters and get all the lore and information that is in the D&D books out there digitally. 
playdnd.com is a great resource to jump in and start uh, with some great beginner uh, tutorials and the starter set, of course, is out there uh, in various forms, including the Stormwreck Isle one that you were just talking about doing mm -hmm. with the yeah. kids. Um, so those are all available there. Um, if you want to follow along on social media, at uh, WizardsDND is where you can find the official stuff as well as at D&D Beyond. And I am at Greg Tito on Twitter and Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. What about you? I'm at Shelly Moo on Twitter and Instagram. Give a follow there. And those of you listening, uh, we have a book around the D&D community and what it, uh, you know, uh, I think it's a great introduction for people who are interested in learning more about the D&D huh? movie. Check it out. Welcome to Dragon Talk. It is available anywhere you get fine books and uh, get it from your local store if you can. But there's also an audio version that Shelly and I yeah. did the recordings for. So if that's the way you love to consume books, if you're listening to this podcast, might be yeah. uh, right up your alley to do so. Um, check it out. That's on Audible and uh, anywhere you can get um, books, uh, audio yep. books. And if you did see the movie and you're inspired to uh, run your own heist or participate as a, a member of a heist crew, we would be remiss to not recommend Keys from the Golden Vault, which is a wonderful collection of heist-themed adventures. So scratch that itch and just get out there and play some D&D. &D and maybe get, get that, that checked if it keeps itching. <laughs> Probably and we mentioned really. Tabaxi in this interview. Uh, and our favorite Tabaxi, Drunky Two Shoes, uh -huh. is on the Radiant Citadel. She has assembled her crew, almost Avengers-like uh, or right? D&D movie. Or like, John Hughes-like. Or John Hughes-like, right? I don't wonder who's the uh, who's the um, the brain. I don't know. Is that is that that's not it's that's not, not drunky. drunky. <laughs> not drunky. Maybe it's Samson. I don't know. Maybe you're missing the brain with no, uh, he's like the with Daryl is gone. Um, so yeah, you are walking through the Radiant Citadel. You had just had an interaction with some of the kids as you're getting towards the center of the uh, crystal. Yes. Um, and you pass by uh, some more folks. Everyone seems to be actually watching. Uh, you know, maybe it was just because of the children that uh, uh, are now following along behind you, um, and uh, very excited to see where this story goes. Um, but you have a little bit of a of a train, and and, and people are watching. Um, you walk towards the preserve of the ancestors' uh, entrance in the in the Aurora Diamond. Are they watching like suspiciously, or just like, oh, cool, look at this little band of mostly kitty cats? Uh, roll me an insight check. Uh -oh. As you kind of try to scan the crowd. I'm insightful. Don't forget. Oh, seventeen. 17. All right. So, yeah, it's a mix. There are people who are um, curious, just want to know what's happening. Uh, and there are folks that definitely seem a little bit more concerned, I guess might be the word, right? They, they haven't seen um, this concentration of uh, uh, people before. And the fact that there's, there's these children following along with you, um, some of the folks are definitely like, hmm, what's going on? Okay. I'm going to let it go for now. Okay. Um, so yeah, the, and do you say anything to your companions? I mean, Samson and Jonathan and uh, Altia uh, are all kind of looking around as well. I'm going to say to Samson, keep an eye on the the ones that look a little dubious. Understood. But you know, everyone seems just keep an pleasant eye. here. They are understood. <laughs> <laughs> this seems out of character for you. Are you uh, are you sure you're uh, uh, are you out of your your drink? Oh yeah, I actually am because the old lady 
drank all my hooch. Maybe we should stop somewhere, get a drink. Uh, no, I, no, we're on a mission. I'm we're always on a mission. thirsty, but it's up to we're you. on a mission. We're on a mission. Uh, but do I see anyone that has a drink in their hand <laughs> while we're walking? Uh, no, there. Most of the um, no. the city here does not appear to be uh, zoned. For, no, no open for, container. For open containers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, there are a few people uh, just you know taking not alcoholic drinks, but you can tell it's just water or something. Okay, merry merrily along. Let's go. Um, merrily along, um, and you get to the uh, Royal Diamond, and again, it's this huge uh, translucent crystal. Um, that's going up through the center of this uh, civilization with with nothingness uh, and swirling mist on uh, the outside. Uh, so it's just this strange otherworldly um, colors and purples and oranges. Right now, the diamond is still purple. Uh, and uh, folks at the at the entrance uh, kind of see you approach and um, stop you and say, oh, oh, what is your business here? Why are you bringing so many individuals inside? We're going to see Shola. She knows of your presence here? Yes, she requested it. All right, we'll confirm that. Thank you. Stand, stand by. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, he sends someone. He says, go uh, bring Shola here. Someone runs off. So you have a moment uh, uh, here with these things, and the kids start to get a little bit bored. They start throwing things, and then you know they start to run off uh, and, oh. and entertain themselves in other ways. I didn't really... Why are they following us? They're just kids. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they don't, I don't know. Do you want to ask them? Kids. Kids. Come here. <laughs> yes. Okay. I don't think you can come in here with us. Well, I've always wanted to come in there. And I don't know. It feels weird to like take you in here. Like I'm like kidnapping you or something. So. What's I think we sh- Oh. It's I don't like naps. I'm a cat and I do like naps. I could drop into, I could drop into one right here, right now. That's good. I'm going to try it now. And you know the kid like curls up into a ball and tries to sleep. He's better at it than you are. Mm. <laughs> and I hit him with a ray of frost. <laughs> <laughs> and he's frozen uh, there forever. Uh, uh, no, I think you need to run along now. It's what was nice meeting you. All right, and they kind of, like, you know, it, it they was... do the thing of like you know listening to you, but not actually listening to you. They're they're still playing in the in the courtyard oh, here. In front. Yeah. You just can't come with us. You can play here, though. Whatever. I'm not. I'm not your mom. I don't know. Whatever she would tell you to do, just do. Um, as you're kind of like distracted talking to these kids, uh, the the uh, runner comes back and whispers something to the guard. And the guard says, uh, "You know, kind of, and uh, uh, very straight stands up straight. You know, taps his spear down and says, Shola is incapacitated. She will not be able to see you. Is she okay? I cannot tell you." No, you. I can help. I have a medic here. You do? Yes. And then Jonathan says, yeah, I can help. And Althea's like, what, what's, what's the matter? And he says, she's gone. Where did she go? We'll find out next time. Oh, come on. Yeah. Shola. Yeah.